Hello, space friends, and welcome to another episode of the Launch Sequence Podcast, your weekly space games podcast where we talk about interesting news and stuff that's been going on and probably stuff that's not really relevant, but at least is interesting to talk about. Today, we've got one of the biggest topics about uh, Star Citizen, of course, and uh, I've got my friend here, the space coder from, we've, we've, done a, we've done a show before, I think, but also we used to stream a lot together, we were in the org together, we kind of started doing content together so i always enjoy having a conversation about this stuff with you how have you been i've been good uh you know and uh, happy to be on the show that that intro was a bit of a roller coaster uh i hope we're going to be talking about relevant stuff but i i know myself so it's going to be like going off on things for for an hour and a half i mean it's it's star citizen so you eventually tread into the irrelevancy zone every once in a while i think it's you know part of the whole experience you yeah. have to do it like to, to understand the project yeah i mean part of the good part of the fun of it is tracking the development i know a lot of people want the game to be done but like i don't think i'd be near as interested in star citizen if i didn't see how it was being made exactly that, that helps me out um so forewarning for everybody though before we get started i am a wee bit sick for those who are who are here who have who have followed this you know i don't get sick very often so i'm going to take my time today and give uh space coder most of the talking time so you get to yeah. hear his knowledge i don't get sick often okay i being over here in turkey uh i basically only interact with one or two people every couple of weeks mostly it's you know you guys on discord or here on the podcast or on the streams so i don't get sick like this is my second time being sick since 2019 um so this should be fun but i'm hoping we can at least get through this podcast so thanks for joining me man appreciate yeah, you. of course we're going to talk about the economy today. Um, Star like Citizen. Of worms. Yeah, like... Star Citizen. Yeah. Would you say it has an economy right now? <laughs> I, I mean, it does. Like, you know, the, the definition of an economy is, is very broad. So I think you can't really define it as an economy because economy, and I am actually somewhat qualified to talk about this. I, I took economy in college. Not that okay, I don't okay, remember here much, we go. But, yeah, but, but we're getting what about that, that BA. Yeah, you know, actually, masters. Oh, there we are. <laughs> Ooh, there we go. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I was preparing for this, and I actually like brought out my textbooks. It was it was the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, so you can't really. I, I don't think we should like describe it as an economy because we're not trying to build an economy. We we can't do that. We're building an economy simulation, so we're ignoring a lot of things that you would see in a real economy, and we're simplifying pretty much everything else. So does Star Citizen have an economy simulation? Yes. You can you know, you have a currency, even though it's a temporary currency, the Alpha UEC. You have a way to earn it, you have a way to spend it, you have a way to move it. Uh, there is, you know, movement of goods. You can be paid for services as a part of missions. So you do end up with some kind of a monetary cycle. So I think you could say yes, we have an economy or economy simulation. So there's How money to, good is it? That's yeah. the better question. Because like, there's money to be made, but I would say most players are giving themselves the reasons to make the, that money, right? Like, you could even say that, oh, I'm working for reputation, but at the end of the day, you're still just getting that reputation to make yourself feel better, right? You don't get too much from this game pouring yourself into this system, do you? True. And that's another, you know, that's the thing that's missing. 
because you know you do have the reputation but there is no there's not much that comes back from it like yeah sure you do bunker missions long enough you will start getting paid more but you know that that's it you know there's no word other than that based on your reputation but i mean cig are going to fix this you know they did add it to the progress tracker what was it last week this week We're, this week actually yeah where you're gonna have different like store contents so last week for anybody listening <laughs> yes <laughs> yes I, I i keep forgetting we're recording this ahead of time but yeah so they're going to change you know your mission availability they're going to be changing your mission payouts they're going to be changing what you can buy and, and you know eventually this is going to also come into where you can go Restricted areas, you know, say you have enough reputation with the Hurston Dynamics, they will start letting you into their bunkers. You will be able to grab stuff out of there. And this also, you can actually hook this into the economy. Uh, and I think I spoke about this in, the, in a previous video or maybe a podcast with you. But basically, let's say you are trading with a certain location or, or a location owned by a certain company a lot. So at some point, these guys might be willing to give you better prices because they know, like, oh, yeah, this, this guy is like, has a lot of reputation with us. They exchange a lot of goods with us. We want to keep their business. So, you know, let's give them a better price. Let's let them buy for a little bit less or, you know, let's let them sell for a little bit more. So they make a little bit more money. But again, this is, I, th I think this is something that's like very, very far away because you yeah. have to, like, we're missing a lot of very basic building blocks of, of trading and sort of resource exchange. And there's yes. a lot of stuff that CIG didn't even think about, I think. So let's talk about that. The current state of things, because we'll get into the speculation in a little bit, but let's lay out what actually goes on right now for somebody jumping into the game and they want to get involved in what we're quoting or what we're calling quote unquote the economy. They want to be able to know how much money they want to make, know how to make it, know what to spend it on. What is like the average experience for somebody who's trying to get involved in this process? I think that... Uh... I think you kind of touched on it with what you said. It really depends on your expectations, number one, and what you're going for in terms of gameplay. Because, you know, you have a fresh off the boat, someone who just bought a game package. They're going to log into the game. They're going to spend, you know, their first couple of sessions just learning the ropes. Star Citizen is a difficult game. They're going to be figuring out how to move, how to get around, how to get their ship. The tutorial they made is actually pretty nice. Not going to lie. It's, it's very you like nice. it? Oh, yeah, it's, it's good. Like, it... Uh, it is missing a couple things, uh, but a couple. couple. But you know, in thirty minutes, you do get like the crash course of like, yep, got something done. I can try to go on on my own. But sure. you know, this person, they're gonna be like, okay, what do I? What can I do? And you know, they're gonna eventually figure out to open their mobby glass, and they're gonna look at the mission manager, and they're gonna be like, oh, okay, so I can do like deliveries, I can do bounties, and you know, new player who has maybe not had experience with space sims or this kind of an MMO, they're going to be like, okay, let's play it safe. You know, let's do something low risk. Let's do some deliveries. And they will do this for, you know, for a session or two. And, you know, their income is going to be fairly low. But at the same time, you have to, on the, you know, other side of the scales, you have to put on, like, what is their expectation? They have no idea what is, like, the price level of Star Citizen. Right. Internally. They have no idea how much shit costs. So... They'll be like doing these deliveries and they'll be like, okay, well, what can I buy now? And they're going to go to the store and they're like, oh, I can buy some armor. Cool. I'm going to buy some armor. I'm going to buy some guns, you know, get some gear. And then they're going to be like, okay, well, you know what? Let's, let's, you know, maybe try playing with the group. Let's do some bounties. Let's do some bunkers or, you know, do investigation. You know, what I'm getting asked like for 
you know, your initial play, you're going to be staying very much within missions because that's like it provides you with this enclosed framework. Yeah, like play it safe. ABCD yep. of like getting shit done to the point where you get paid. And most of the time it's going to work. Most of the time. Unless there is a free fly going on or the servers are dying or... Yeah. So, <laughs> so they're running their missions, right? And, and they're a beginner, 20,000 UEs, let's say, working their way up, doing a few missions. They've come across now 50,000 UEs. Their options for spending money at that point are pretty limited to like ship rentals, components, and yeah. like small arms and armor kind yeah. of stuff, right? You know, I think around that point, people start thinking like, well, I can buy ships like in-game. But like the, this is like millions of credits for anything that you would want to have. I mean, you, you can mm -hmm. buy like the small ships for like a couple hundred thousand. You can buy ground vehicles for even less. I think you can buy like this, the Cyclone for like 50,000 credits. I'm not sure. But, but they're going to be like, well, you know, a Cyclone or like a you know, Mustang, it's not very attractive for most people. Because you already have a starter, and unless you like want to take pretty pictures of it, you're probably not going to need it. So they're going to be like, okay, well, you know, what, like, what ship would be good to buy? And they start like researching it. So, like, oh, you know, Cuddy Black, you know, so I could like run some cargo, have a little bit more firepower for bounties, and like, you know, do multi crew. Or maybe, you know, I want to do like resource gameplay. So, like, I could buy a rock, or I could buy a prospector. But that's like, again, expensive purchases. And but like, they could rent it. They can rent it, exactly. So that's going to be you know, their first step. Like, well, I don't know what to buy, so you know what? I'm going to see what I can rent. And they're going to start renting ships. And you, and this is, again, tens of thousands of credits per day to rent something. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have to, and this is where sort of your time available comes into play. Because if you don't think you're going to get enough gameplay done within the 24-hour period that you have the rental for, let's say you go for the cheapest one, like you rent something and you're like, eh, well, it costs like 30,000 credits, but I'm not sure if I'm going to make that money back or like make enough overhead to like make this worth it. So that might be locking people out, but let's, let's say that you do have enough time. So like you rent a rock, you rent a catalyst and you start mining. And that, that you know, jumps up your, your potential earnings to hundreds of thousands. Like if you mine long enough in the rock, even if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to make couple hundred thousand credits i think we can all agree on that yeah the only thing i can't agree on is like do you ever have like people in your comments on youtube be like oh you know when i mine i only mine like 40 percent quantitative rocks and i make like five million credits an hour this was I don't before cover the mining update i had this comment and it was like a person detailing how they do this and i'm like sir i have looked at the like material generation tables what you're describing is statistically impossible mm. like explain yourself i don't even make content about that stuff enough for people to to talk about it too much but i have seen what i got a lot before the 319 update was just people being like hey i can i can crack any rock uh like you should be fine with this and and i would constantly be like hey we're not all really good miners <laughs> yeah <laughs> i play the, the at my level it is really good though I, I, it is yeah 10 out, 10 out of 10 cag like really well done i i, I have some reservations about a couple things but uh that's like for that's that's a whole different video on like how they how to screw up the whole generation system, but that's whatever. Mm. But yeah, so at this point you had you you know you jump into like the expecting couple hundred thousand credits per per session, let's say. Uh, and here is where the expectation becomes, I think, 
wildly different for pe different people. Because some people were like, yeah, well, I don't particularly want to mine, salvage, or trade, you know, do like the industrial gameplay. I want to do combat. And, and you can match this income with combat gameplay because you have bunkers and bounties that pay 50,000 credits per, you know, per mission. So you absolutely can do it. You, if you're good enough, you can do it solo. Like, let's, let's not lie to each other. You can. The combat balance doesn't exist. You absolutely can. If you're good and you build your ship properly and you know what you're doing. Uh, and then we kind of get like into that top tier gameplay, right? This is going to be hardcore players who are very good at their chosen gameplay. So it's going to be, you know, people who are like very good at bunkers, very good at bounties, very good miners, or, you know, can do salvage very quickly. Uh, and, you know, this is also going to like include multi-crew gameplay because I, you know, I have had like, especially with salvage, I think we like the sample size is still a bit small, small on salvage because you can't buy the vulture in game yet. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a little bit weird. I've had they would like put it in already. Uh, but I, I, I guess it hasn't been like a full major patch since they put it in the first time. So I don't know, CIG. Well, but, that's that's important because what you're getting at here, I think, is that um, ship buying is a an option. Ship rental is an option. But what I kind of notice is that there's not really much else to drive people wanting to make money. Exactly. Uh, because there is, you know, no long-term reputation. You know, it, it's going away. If CIG decide to wipe, it's going away. There is no, well, okay, there is long-term persistence. So you do not lose your ships and your credits. So technically you could like go for this. But like, what is the, like, what's the next thing? Like say, you know, let's say you're like in that top tier gameplay you know, you're mining with a crew, you have a mole, or you are running a reclaimer, and you're like making, you know, millions of credits per week. Like, what is the goal at this point? Like, sure, you can buy a Karak or an 890 jump, and then you're like, oh yeah, I have an 890 bought it in game, yay. So that's like, you know, sort of like the bragging rights. Yeah, and even, even then, it's like, th another problem with being able to buy ships with real money in this game. It's like you see someone with a ship, you don't know if they bought it. They, they earned yeah. it in the game or they bought it, which I don't think is a big deal. But again, that goes towards the whole idea of showing off and kind of showing your accomplishments in the game. Yeah. So I think that's, that's the thing we're missing. Uh, and it's not, it's not a problem of the economy. It's just a problem of, you know, missing sort of a very extensive reputation system and long-term reputation. Because right now what we have is faction reputation like if you do enough missions for a certain mission giver they will like you more but what we don't have is sort of like a global reputation within a location or as, as you as a person you know say you're in the stanton system and you do a lot of bounties that means you're making the stanton system safe so your reputation within the stanton system is going to be like oh yeah this this guy is like helping uphold security so like it's going to be leaning positive right and, you know, so the security might be, like, willing to overlook things like, oh, you know, you accidentally shot a civilian in the bunker. Yeah, cool. Like, never happened before, and you've been, like, doing a good job. Okay, it's, it's no problem. Like, yeah, we, yeah, it happens a lot. Like, yeah, it's, it's fine. We will do the paperwork. Like, you're good to go. Uh, and if you do the other thing, like, yeah, you're doing a lot of piracy, you're doing a lot of illegal missions, it's going to be leaning the other way. And at that point, you know, 
places might be refusing your service. Like, yeah, you yeah. can't land here. Like, yeah. we, you are a known criminal. Like, we're not going to let you refuel here. Like, what the hell? And that's that's part of the reputation update you were just talking about added to the progress tracker. Yeah. So if that's not really a problem with the economy, but more kind of the game's development and the reputation system, what is the problem with the economy, in your opinion, right now? Because we all, I think we can all understand that there's... Like if you go and trade some goods or you, uh, or, or you find stuff and sell it as loot, like where does it all break down? Because people aren't really getting the fulfillment that they want from a functional economy in this game. So you can actually look at this from a couple of perspectives, right? So let's look at trading first because that, that, that's the easy one. Trading has been broken for years now. The simple, like the original issue, like the root cause is that in preparation for server meshing and PES, they merged the inventories of all trading locations. So if you're at an outpost, that outpost shares its inventory with every instance across all servers. And you know, if, if there is something particularly profitable, it's going to run out of stock immediately because there is a multiple people and multiple servers trading that commodity. Right. This was partially resolved, I think in 317 when they were like yep we see it as an issue we're gonna like drastically increase the available inventory and this has somewhat unblocked trading but it's still not in the point where like entry-level trading exists like you if you want to trade with a cuddles black or a freelancer you're not going to make any money unless you're like trading drugs which some people <laughs> might not be willing to do right. uh, so and that kind of hints at the actual issue which is Everything is very arbitrary right now. There is no price fluctuation on anything. There is just a set value or a set range that depends on like the current stockpile. And this so, extends to missions also. So like you would, you know, you have very set payments for every kind of missions. Like, yes, as you advance through the tiers, you get paid more. But I feel like this reward should be like a, a lot greater range depending on not just your reputation and like how experienced you are, but also like the global state of everything. And that's where like probability volumes come into place. Uh, quantum comes into place because it tracks a lot of state of the economy. So like, let's say, you know, you have a lot of like, no one's doing bunkers in a certain area. Like, so that means like crime is high. Nobody can like do their manufacturing, like the Quanta can't do their thing because there is bunkers occupied, there is pirates over outposts, economy is like going into recession. So at this point, any reasonable government would be like, you know what, we are willing to pay a lot of money to someone who's going to like come in and start like clearing these places out. Would we call Hurston a reasonable government? Yeah, you know, they're kind of, you know, borderline, you know, authoritarian dictatorship type situation. Uh, you know, it's a difficult political situation. <laughs> That's what we'll call it. Yeah, it's you know, complicated. Corporate politics. You, you don't want to get into that. It's a but, you know, struggling project, we'll say. Yeah. But, but still, you know, if someone's going to be like screwing with their profits because they're like making money off of this. But, you know, if, if their facilities are occupied, you know, blockades are all over the place, they're not making money. So they're going to be like willing to pay quite a lot for someone to like start doing this. So I think, you know, mission payouts should reflect the state. The problem there is that this state of the economy doesn't exist in the PU. It exists in quantum, which is somewhere on a server locked away in, in the room, away from the game servers. And the actual interaction is, is very, very minimal. 
Like they keep telling us like, oh yeah, quanta are like doing stuff with the PU. But the effect is is so, so minimal. Yeah. Because I mean, you, you do need the quanta to like keep the balance, but I don't think they are capable. I think CAG is like toning down the like feedback from quantum so they can test it properly before they start doing more stuff with it. And, you know, then you just kind of get into that whole speculation of like, is it really working? Or is it really like worth the effort? Have they done any progress with it? Is it ever going to happen? Yes. But yeah, this, this sort of lack of general interaction and like, because there's risk and there's monetary reward in the Star Citizen economy and like general gameplay. But like, what is your end goal? And this kind of gets into the, because you know, in most MMOs, you're like working towards something like you're trying to level up. Like, you know, Elder Scrolls Online is, is a very good, or RuneScape is actually even a better example. Like, yeah, you're like grinding, mining, or woodcutting. And you're doing this to like unlock more resources you can mine, or you're trying to like get a higher level, or you're trying to like unlock other requirements with this. And Star Citizen doesn't really have this because Star Citizen, like the whole point of the persistent universe is like, there is no end goal. There's no goal. There is no final mission. There is no like you want. It's just like build your own adventure, find your own path. So CAG are like giving you the waypoints. Like they're giving you, like, okay, yeah, there's like gameplay and there's like missions. You know, there's you, you can mine, you can do missions, you can explore, that kind of stuff. But what you want to do with that and what is your intention with it? That's very much up to you, and CAG have with this very elegantly sort of taken the responsibility of giving the players an endgame solution, because they're like, oh yeah, that's like, you figure it out. And, you know, when you look at other space sims, uh, EVE Online gets very close to this, because they're, I mean, I, I suppose, you know, in EVE Online, like, the end goal is, like, world domination, and just kind of, like, making sure no one, else can, no one else can play the game. Yeah. And in Elite, you Elite actually comes very close to Star Citizen in this, except Elite does these like global events with like every season. Let's call it season, they, they call it something else. Or it's like right now it's like the alien invasion thing. And like for multiple months, people kind of contribute towards, towards this goal. And it does give you some kind of end game content on most levels. I, I'm sure people who play Elite more than me would argue with me on this, but fair enough. You know, I digress. And, you know, in No Man's Sky, I'm not sure if we can, like, consider that to be an MMO, but it's a space sim. They're, like, your goal, and a lot of people don't know this, your, your goal in, like, your mission in No Man's Sky is to, like, get to the center of the universe. Not a lot of people know this, but uh, it, that's, like, the end goal of the game. I, I'm, I'm not sure if anyone has ever done it. Because, yeah. like, they have, you know... I think so, yeah. Probably, I mean, probably but they have, like... It, like, I played it, and it, it, like, guides you on all these, like, side quests, and it does give you a very narrative experience on everything until you like finally figure out like what is like the end goal so you do actually get a lot of fun out of it but again it's a uh, not quite an mmo so they they can afford to do that in star citizen that would be very difficult i imagine we will eventually have narrative type missions but in a more loose format right because you're gonna have pretty expansive universe uh, and you're gonna have mission givers in that universe and these guys, like, if you stay with them long enough, it's going to give you a narrative experience because they might be like, you know, you might be operating in a certain area because they had mission givers in that area. So you might be like learning about that area. You may be learning about that system. You might be learning about, you know, that character, that mission giver. 
Like they might be like telling you stuff about themselves. They might be telling you stuff like about history and and that's your narrative experience in Star Citizen. Because all the narrative of like the Star Citizen lore universe is in Squadron 42. Yeah. And that's sort of I think that's a um a major thing of of Star Citizen is making sure that they're you're like you were saying, you're trying to run your own story, do your own thing. I think ultimately the goal would be acquiring wealth and doing something with it. But we have so few signs of what we should or can do it. I mean, we know that building interiors are coming, apartments are coming, uh, you'll be able to run a space station. Like all these things are existent in the future of Star Citizen, but for now, um, there's just not much to spur on that activity. And like you said, the, the, the demand doesn't change. There's no dynamic nature to it. And we can't learn our local economy. We can't learn that missions and payouts around Hurston suit you better because they're, that's just the kind of missions they give there as opposed to Crusader. Everything is the same everywhere. And it seems you like know, that's kind of the problem. You know, you kind of spurred something there. CAG actually had a very good way out of this a couple of years back. And it was like the ship customization system. Because imagine CAG just like put in like, oh yeah, you can like customize paints on your ships now. It costs like, I don't know, 10,000 credits per element or per color. But you can do whatever the fuck you want with it. Suddenly you have a way out. Suddenly there is something like people can work towards. Like, oh, you bought like this super expensive paint for 150,000 credits. Like, nice. But CAG locked themselves out of this. Yeah. And it's actually really funny because uh, last weekend I was just like a reminder to a video that I made two years ago. And I, and I keep saying this, like two years ago I made a video. It said ship customization is dead because CIG are selling paints now, so they can't implement ship customization anymore. Back then people said I'm an idiot. Who's laughing now? I was right. Nobody, we're all sad. <laughs> yeah, we're all sad. I think they still could do it. They can still like, do it, but it's like you're going to be screwing someone over at this point because you can't like back then two years ago, I said like one way out to implement this is like, okay, you sold not a whole lot of paints. So let's, you know, sell these as like exclusives, you know, exclusive presets that are only like available because you bought it and no one else can like buy this. But then they started doing like very, because back then they were doing like these very intricate, very pretty color schemes. But now it's literally like flat color. Like when you remember, go like to the 400i release, they had like four or five paints on it and all of them are like solid color. So now nobody can use the color black on the 400i. Yeah, I don't know. Slightly off black. Yeah, so it's so like you could do it in a very granular way where it's like, oh, yeah, because uh, like the Meridian paint has like this specific shade of black. You can't use it on your 400i. Like if you want to use it, you have to buy this paint for real money. Like, yes, yeah. you could do it. But it just kind of makes you look stupid. And, and honestly, there's no good way out of it. Like you could like, OK, let's refund all the paints. And let's like give those people like the components of those paint schemes like in their paint availability store type thing in game. That feels like the most fair solution right now. But again, it, people are going to be like, well, but I paid for this 
and now everybody can buy it, but you got refunded. And it's going to yeah. be like a whole thing. I the can't skins, wait for like the... the skins and the paints are definitely going to be a problem. Yeah. Um, and, and like, I, I understand like where CAG went with it. I kind of understand why they did it. It's just they didn't quite think about the long-term implication of this decision, yeah. which is unfortunate. Doesn't It doesn't seem like it. I hope there's a solution out there somewhere. So it's just not going to be pretty. You're not going to like it. <laughs> maybe. So the main problem is this lack of sort of dynamic behavior. Um, you can't really learn what's going on and, and or you can't you can't make any predictions. You can't discover info and act on it. You can because everything is the same. If you wanted to make a lot of money cargo hauling, you get barrel, you transport it around Microtech, you make plenty of money, you run that route over and over. But if other people come and run that route, not like the price goes down. It's not like pirates start showing up to get more, um, get more of that booty and security shows up to stop them. It's basically just that stuff disappears from the stock and, and nobody can pick it up. Yeah. So when people talk about how they want the economy to, to be fixed, this seems like it's the biggest thing. We've seen them start working on this. As you said, they brought in some parts of quantum with the uh, restock refuel and uh, rearm services, as well as a little bit of probability volume stuff. Have you noticed any of that making an effect on the game? You know, when they like put it in, I was looking at it very actively. And that's where I kind of came to the conclusion where I thought the impact is very minimal. Because you would look at, you know, I would have like four or five people go to four different places. And we would like look at the price uh, at the same time. And I would find out that it, it is really the more or less the same. Like the major differences were like uh, landing zones to like the low orbit stations to like deep space stations. That was like the three main differences on like refueling, for example. And then we found out that like if you go to like all four of the orbital stations, you will get more or less the same results. You go to the four landing zones, you will get more or less the same results. You go to four deep space stations, you will get the same results. So I, I don't... Maybe this is what they were aiming for, where like if you go further away from the beaten path, it's going to get cheaper. But that doesn't feel like it. I, I think like the more accurate reflection is like, oh yeah, everybody's like running bounties out of uh, Everest Harbor right now. So let's, you know, the price of fuel is going to be increasing. Right. And I think what they, like, especially on like the services, they really missed the mark on not being able to sell the fuel out of, out of a Starfarer. Because that would just unlock this whole new branch of, of like economy gameplay. Where it's like, oh yeah, I, like, I'm going to fly to this like refinery station where they actually like make the fuel. And I'm going to go like, okay, I'm going to go sell it. Or I'm going to like make the fuel because the Starfarer can technically make fuel. It's just you don't have any... Because it has fuel scoops right now, you, so you can technically make fuel. It's just you have no way of transferring it from the internal fuel tank to the uh, back fuel tank for that you refuel out of. So they missed a couple of things that I feel like would have been very easy to implement. And that's kind of the questionable part of this. But yeah, overall, I, I don't feel like Quantum has a whole lot of influence right now. I think it's more of a... Because if, if you go back to what Tony Z said in that very long video, they build an awful lot of monitoring tools with Quantum to keep an eye on the simulation, to gather data from the PU, from, from Quanta, and displaying this and doing analytics over this. 
And I think that's what they're currently doing. They're trying to like look at the economy as it is and try to like figure out what is the flow of money, where the goods are, what the people are doing. And based on this, they're going to be doing the actual changes. Because the sort of one of the issues with especially trade, oh, mainly trading, is that there is no flow to the commodities, right? So like you have an outpost, it has a bunch of stuff, it buys a bunch of stuff, it sells. But where does it go next? Like, sure, you sell it at the landing zone and that's it. Like, it disappears, appears back at the outpost. So there is no supply chain of this. There is no anymore. It used to be. Uh, many, many years ago, it used to be that if you didn't sell stuff at an outpost, it would make less stuff that you could buy. This went away at some point. I'm not exactly sure when, but it went away many, many years ago. Uh, and I think this is something that should be brought back. So, like, let's say you have a, and for those of you watching, I, if it's Monday, you're watching this, or after Monday, uh, go to my YouTube channel. I made a whole video on this. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, let's say you have an outpost that produces, I don't know, food. Like, let's say you have a farming outpost. They they produce food and they take agricultural supplies. Uh, it's it's a very basic example. There's no such place in the verse right now. Uh, because they all have multiple things they buy and sell. Uh, so they can't make food, they can't grow food unless they have agricultural supplies, right? So you need someone to come in there, sell them the supplies, and then, you know, they will make some food. And this, adding this kind of flow, and then, you know, the food can go somewhere, you know, lots of places will buy food because they needed to, like, operate themselves. So that's, like, their input. And you can kind of start building this like supply chain of the of the economy where you can like track the life cycle of a certain commodity from where it's made to where it's consumed. And I think this is a very important part of like the whole simulation and building it where CIG need to start thinking about it and that's going to help them set the price for everything because the current way of setting the base price is an arbitrary number that CIG came up with so that this is going to help them with. Uh, it's going to help with how much should be made because if I have... Like when you think about it, in the Stanton system, there are only three locations that produce food. Bountiful Harvest, Glut Family Farms, and Terramills, hmm. all in the Crusader subsystem. If these three places are like making food for the entire Stanton system, that's... That's a lot of food. That's a lot of food. <laughs> so now you got to start thinking like, well, these three places are like the only places where we can grow food that A, doesn't make any sense. I mean, I'm sure that they like can like grow food and like the landing zone and stuff, but like, so either these places need to be like massive, like it needs to be a massive outpost with like rows upon rows of greenhouses, which is kind of like another feature that should that should be implemented at some point is that if you interact more with a certain location that grows, like it has more landing pads, more buildings, that kind of stuff, but whatever. That's like, that's the wishful thinking on my end. Yeah. Uh, and then, so, okay, if, if these three locations are the ones making food, then either they must be huge or we must be bringing food in from somewhere else. So, like, right. we're bringing it from, like, Terra or somewhere else. And that brings you to the second problem, or, like, the third, fifth, or twelfth problem we're on right now is that currently the economy simulation in Starston is, is very small and very closed. Sort of the end consumer for everything is the landing zones which is not supposed to be this way. You can generally split trading, like if you generalize very heavily, you can split it in two categories. 
number one is what we have currently where it's going to be people in anything from like a nomad to a caterpillar or a c2 just sort of converging things into landing zones this is going to be people who are doing like the deliveries from point to point people who are picking up goods from mining outposts bringing them to like the the big markets you know the cargo decks on the lower orbit stations or, or you know the trading floors in landing zones these are going to be like the people doing a lot of the small volume let's call it small volume even though it's like hundreds of scus of cargo yeah. this is small, small volume this is relatively speaking yeah yeah oh you know if you move if you as a player move a thousand SCU of cargo, you can expect that there is a quanta somewhere moving 10 times that much to sort of balance out what you're doing. Uh, and then the second higher category is going to be people who take, this, this is going to be the hull C, E, D, E, whatever, how many fucking hulls there are. People who load up a couple thousand SCU of cargo at point A and they take it to another lower station, you know, a couple systems away. This is going to be like the people who like, oh, look, uh, Stanton system is like low on food, but there's like a sur surplus in Terra right now. So, you know, what? I'm going to buy 3000 SCU of food and I'm going to just bring it to Stanton and I'm going to make money. Like, yes, it's going to take, you know, this whole trade run, it might take them, you know, two hours, but they're going to make money that's respective of that time. And they're going to, you know, play in with the economy. And that's, uh, that's kind of... Going back to what you were talking about, how like things don't actually get produced at places and sent. You go to a place, you buy out all the stuff. It just kind of re replenishes yeah. itself over time, rather yeah. than somebody getting to that station realizing there's none of the stuff there that they maybe wanted to buy. Maybe they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm always selling titanium from this station. It makes me a lot of money." They get there, there's no titanium. There's no Suddenly they realize, "Okay, let me fly back to the other side of the system and get the actual titanium and bring it here." That's better money. Yeah. Changes up your whole day, but it's the ability to see and react to the market yeah. and make a difference. And this is the thing that's missing that you, like, I, I don't expect you to be able to like, say you have a mining outpost that produces titanium. I don't think it's a realistic expectation that they're going to buy titanium from you. Like they're, they have no reason to do that. They're making it. Yeah. But if you have like a landing zone, like why can't they sell you the stuff? Because they, they are essentially a stockpile unless you're R Corp where your entire planet is a huge factory. Like, I understand where our corp might not be willing to, like, sell their raw resources because they're, like, making something from it. But New Babbage, it's essentially a bunch of software developers living together. Like, they, they don't need titanium. Like, you can sell it there. Like, sure, the market's going to buy it from you, but they're going to be trying to, like, resell it to someone else, someone else who needs it. So this, I, I think this should be a valid option in the economy, and then, then you kind of get this whole flow. Also, like, sort of a note on mining outposts. CAG, again, shot themselves in the foot on this one. So you know how you have the mining outposts that are, like, tiny, tiny mining outposts? Mm -hmm. And they're selling you, like, refined metals and stuff. My question is, where is the refinery? Like, this yeah. massive, sprawling structure that has to be built in space? Well, I think that's probably... They just don't have the refinery yet, right? That's kind of... The, like, what I'm thinking is that, you know, once... Ship refining comes in. Uh, CIG should kind of do like a little switcheroo where mining outposts will sell you raw ore. I think they could actually do it even now. Yeah. Like, yeah, oh yeah, I'm going to buy 100 SCU of unrefined titanium. I'm going to bring it to the refinery and I'm going to... This would be a game changer for trading. Because suddenly you're like, oh yeah, I can like manufacture something like... Oh, I bought this for like 100 SCU 
or like 100 credits per unit. But I can like refine this to something that costs three times as much. And I think this would like throw things off a little bit in a, in a fun way. And you know, once ship refining comes in, someone who only owns an expanse, like they don't have a prospect for a mole, they can just like land at this outpost and be like, okay, I'm gonna like provide refinery services. And I'm gonna like buy unrefined goods, refine it, then I'm gonna have a friend come by with a ship, pick it up. And like we're gonna make some money. Yeah. And the economy would be what drives the decision of where you're gonna do that. Yeah. Like when you think about it, again, go watch the video. <laughs> like what is the driving force of the economy, right? Profit. What is profit on a mathematical scale, let's say, or mathematical level? It's profit is the difference in price, right? For what you bought and what you sell. And your willingness to engage with the economy increases if this difference is increasing. So like if you're like, oh, well, this place is like critically low on something they need and they're willing to like pay like 50% more than, than is the galactic average for this commodity. Like, you know what? I'm going to like, it's a difficult thing to get. Like, oh, it's like medical supplies or something. And it's like fairly low store in this area. But you know, what? I'm going to fly over to Crusader. They have a lot of them. I'm going to buy like a full cargo hold and I'm going to fly back. Like, sure, it's going to take me an hour, but I'm going to make money. And I think, you know, there are a lot of people who like min-max playing Star Citizen. Nothing wrong with that, where they're like, I must make the maximum amount of money in the shortest amount of time possible. That's what everyone asks. It, it gets kind of frustrating that if you get a question on gameplay, it's generally, how do I make the most money? It's like, do whatever you like. Do it yeah. for a long enough time, and you're going to make a ton of money. Yeah, and, and I feel like, you know, doing these things would be, you would have a lot of people who are like, oh, well... It's not like the most profit I could make with this like meta trading route right now, but like it's gonna be fun, you know, a little bit change of pace, go to a different place, you know, maybe I'm gonna see something that that's different, maybe I'm gonna find a different route. And I think at this point, a different kind of a trader will emerge. And I, I see like, a couple of people doing this already, where they like take like an MSR or like a smaller cargo ship, and they buy like a mixture of various things. They buy like medical supplies, stems, alcohol, and food. And they like hop over outposts and they sell these in like small quantities. And you generally make a little bit more money because this is something that the outpost needs and usually doesn't have because not a lot of people will go out there because they, you know, the outpost is going to buy like 40 SCU from you max. Mm -hmm. But when they get low, they are going to like pay you a lot more than is like the average price. So if you do this, it's number one, it's, it's a lot of fun. I've tried. It, it, it is a lot of fun. And you go, like, see multiple locations and you... I actually, like, rediscovered a lot of a lot of planets and moons thanks to this. Because I was just like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to do supply runs. So and me, it was fun. I want to ask, though, when you're doing that, how are you getting the information of where to drop off? Uh, you kind of just have to know where, like... Because you, so you look at this. So you can do this two ways. You can either look it up, like, which places buy what, the price information is going to be, there are a couple websites out there, the price information is going to be semi-accurate on most of them because the ones that are like main are getting updated fairly like regularly. The uh, one that comes to mind is the UE Exchange Corporation. Those guys have a very nifty website for it and they update it very regularly. Uh, but generally, you don't really want to look at prices. You want to look at who buys what. And you can do this from in-game, kind of. 
Uh, you can either buy like directly flying there and it's going to tell you what everything they will buy for what amount of money, which was a very interesting update to trading, not going to lie. Or the more interesting way of doing this, which is sort of the biggest way quantum is interacting with the verse right now is the commodity price alerts. Because that's going to give you, I think it like every five minutes, it goes out and it gives you like, oh, there's like high stockpile of something or low stockpile of something. So are those are those that that would be another thing that they've kind of done to help spur the simulation? Is that something that you would say is dependable? I I have tested it and yes, it, it does work. Uh, it does kind of assume that no one else acts on it because the like I said earlier, it's all one shared inventory. So if a lot of people across a bunch of servers jump on that information, it is going to invalidate it very, very quickly. So, which, which is a bummer because if that happens, then that should be making somewhere else in the verse have a higher sell price for that thing, right? Because they're demanding more for, sorry, not a higher sell. Yeah, a higher sell price technically. Yeah. They're demanding more for it. Everybody jumped there because they had a stockpile. Now they've been depleted. So it should naturally just go down the line and you should be yeah. able to bring more stuff into that outpost, but and, that just doesn't happen. And it, it kind of does, but it doesn't oh, yeah? show immediately. Like you oh. go to a place, you buy out all of their, because the, it only announces like what you can trade, right? Sure. So if you go to a place and you buy all of their medical supplies, they can't announce like, yeah, we can't sell medical supplies anymore. I mean, they could announce it like that there's a low stockpile, but I don't think CAG want to give you that much information. Like that, that's the thing that CAG do. They, they very much want to keep you in the dark because they want you to like waste time trying to figure it out. They like want you to waste 30 minutes getting into your ship, flying to a place and be like, oh, yeah, uh, there's nothing for me to like trade here. See, that doesn't that's not going to fly. <laughs> we need yeah, a better yeah. way to get info. It, it will happen. Eventually it will happen. Uh, I think it's another thing that's going to happen when quantum is more advanced because they have this information. Like uh, I, every time I do like an economy video or an economy discussion, I assume that the quantum know everything because they do. Because they're because the quantum simulation knows everything, and there is no reason to withhold information from quanta. They will just, yeah, they have all the information. They can make decisions on it. I want to go on. I want to take you back to what you were saying though, because you were talking about price changing based on availability. Yeah. So you're saying that if if the price alert comes up, everybody jumps on it, they deplete this outpost of its medical supplies then eventually that outpost will start buying medical supplies for higher price? No. So, so I don't think, you know, if you have an outpost that produces medical supplies, you, they sell all of it, they're not going to start buying it because they're making it. So they're just going to be like, oh, yeah, we don't have any or we have like a very low stockpile, so it's going to cost you a lot because we have a low stockpile right now. So there is going to be... So what I think CAG are going to do in... Um, I go into more detail in the video. So every outpost for every commodity that they buy and sell, they have the maximum capacity of what they can have, and they have some state at to which they want to get. So like if you are the stuff that you're buying, your your industrial inputs, you want to have as much of this as as you can have. So your desired state is going to be nearly full of your on your stockpile so that you can manufacture the things that you're manufacturing. On the other side, your outputs, the things that you're manufacturing, you want to have relatively low stockpiles of this for two reasons. Number one, if you have a low stockpile, you can make more. 
Number two, it means you have enough supply to satisfy demand as it comes up. And if you have sort of a reasonably low stockpile, you can sort of use this to manipulate price. And this is just economics. Like if you if there is a low, it's actually. It's actually if you how, control the supply, you've got a yeah, lot of power. This is how OPEC works. The oil producing countries thing. They, when the price of oil is going too far down, they will just stop producing oil to drive the price up because the supply is low. Hence why you come to the, to the conclusion that your desired stockpile, things you're selling should be nearly zero so you can manipulate price with this. And I think this is going to be the driving point. And from this, you can determine how you should affect your base price. And base price is probably going to be, again, some arbitrary value because normally the base price at which you would sell something is like your labor costs and material costs and some overhead. But neither of these things exist in Star Citizen. There is no labor cost. There is no cost of material in theory, at least, you know, at the zero second of, a, of the universe. Well, that's that's just another part of this whole simulation is the uh, is the actual cost of doing business that we don't have like the the, yeah. the money sinks the paying for your hangar paying your storage fees exactly. for your cargo paying for the people who are loading the ship like there's yeah. so much so many places where money is supposed to go that it doesn't right now so this, that's the thing with star system there is an imbalance there is all the time sinks you can think of there is tram rides there's elevators there is waiting for ship claims but there is no money sink there is and, and you know when you go like the hangar costs Hanger cost might also affect the movement of goods because someone's going to be like, well, you know, I could like take this, you know, cargo that I have to like Orison or something, but Orison has like extremely high docking because it's a literal floating platform on a planet. It's like the most uneconomical thing you could think of. And yes, that's a dig at Crusader. <laughs> we love you, Crusader. Yeah, we love them, but like, can you can you imagine like the property prices in Orison? Yeah, yeah. Like, do you think no, property be, prices in, in the world try. right now are bad? <laughs> think about Orison. Put it all in the air. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. Okay, so yeah. quant. Oh, god. So like, you you have the time sinks. You don't have the money sinks, and the money sinks might influence people's decisions. Like, oh well, you know, it's expensive to dock at Orison, so I'm gonna go sell this somewhere else. I'm going to go to Lorville. Lorville doesn't give a shit. They're going to let me land for cheap. Like, sure, you know, they potentially use slave labor and their whole thing is not quite legal, but, uh, you know, in the name of profit. Yeah. And then that's, uh, and that's where your money goes. And then the Hurston economy blows up. Well, but, you know, you know, authoritarian regimes, that clearly it works. <laughs> uh, so they like to say. So, We've talked about how quantum has been integrated into some of the services. We touched on probability volumes a little bit. I believe that combat beacons are driven by probability volumes. That's been a decent example of how it works. I don't think a lot of people know that it's working like that. I don't know how much, like, do you notice a, a heightened or lowering in security or anything it like that, like been, any sort of response? Like, it has been said that this, in fact, is driven by probability volumes. I believe this, but I don't see 
like I've observed this and I don't see any difference in frequency or any difference in frequency or in like location. And I think it comes down again to star system being just one star system because you have infinite amount of instances of Stanton and the probability volumes are probably averaged all over this. And if you average this, you will end up with zero. So there is technically no place in all of Stanton that's more or less dangerous than any other place, just because, you know, yeah, you are on a server and there's 10 people doing bounties at Hurston, but there's going to be somewhere else, a different server where the same number of people are doing bounties in Arcorp or Microtech or Crusader. Mm -hmm. So technically your security heat map is going to be the same everywhere. This again is going to, this is a thing that CAG can't fix right now. They could do it on, they could like split it and do it locally per server. I don't think they're going to do it because there would be a lot of work to do on Quantum, which is designed specifically for one server. So I don't think they're going to do it. They could probably get around it somehow, but it's just like, why would you put the developer effort into it? Like it works probably. We won't know until we have more locations. I think it might be more apparent when Pyro comes in or multiple other systems where players are going to disperse a little bit. There's going to be less servers and more players per server, hopefully. And then you might start seeing hotspots. Like, oh, you know, maybe there's going to be like combat at the, you know, the, the jump points. Like, yeah, maybe there's going to be combat because there's going to be pirates trying to sneak in. There's going to be security. So there's, you know, maybe there, that's going to be a hotspot when you sort of put in this area. I think uh, what I expected to see is some sort of an increase in combat missions around Microtech when Ghost Hollow came out. But we didn't see that because, you know, Ghost Hollow is like this very PvP illegal content. So, like, you would think it would create a spike in sort of security response for that area. But it didn't. So maybe it doesn't work that way. Maybe maybe the input is wrong. Maybe the whole probability volumes thing is just based on like the help beacons. Maybe it's not even taking into account how we do bounties or like how we do PvP, that kind of stuff. That's the thing. You know, CAG are giving us very little information on Yeah, seriously. Like how this system like I don't even want to know how the how it operates. Like I, I don't care that it's gonna be a black box. I just want to know what is the input? Like how players influence this don't, like don't you don't need to give me a guide on like oh if you like do this bounty mission like a hundred times in an hour it's gonna like spawn idrises but just give me like oh yeah if you like do more of this type of mission in this area it's gonna result in one of x things i mean i'm not really asking for much in, in uh, on this topic like we're here to test the game, right? This is all about an open development, get a bunch of people in here to test the game at scale, find the problems, fix the problems. We have no way at all of knowing if there is a problem with the econ economy, if it is pushing us in ways that we don't want to be pushed. Like I understand that they're getting all the data, but they also come to us for feedback on just about everything with this game. And they've put these changes into the game and they haven't given us a sentence of 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 like hey these are these are working and this is what we're seeing they haven't given us a um 
what are they called when they when they go back and look at the patch afterward um uh, the after action or post-mortem yeah yeah, no, like a post-mortem. They haven't said a single thing yeah. about probability yeah, volumes, that's, that's about thing, quantum. Like, this is the kind of information that I think belongs in the monthly reports. Because you read the monthly reports. I read the monthly reports, too. They are very... Vague. There's a lot of volume of information there. It's, it's like multiple pages of information. Yeah. but And this feels like something that should be included in there. Not just like, oh, yeah, we move this to gray box and this is like final art and these people were sent I feel like this is something that should have been mentioned like oh yeah we seen we have seen this kind of activity like this is the kind of report we have I mean you're getting too you're getting too formal for me man all I literally just need somebody to come on spectrum and be like hey guys this is functioning and people are moving more towards this area like tell us it's happening yeah <laughs> it's freaking then, when he said that we were going to get these changes to rearm refuel and repair stuff he also said that we would get a change every update after that, that the, the quantum simulation would see some kind of update every single time after that. Now, I'm starting to think that they've tied this to, to, to server meshing, like you were saying earlier. Maybe it's not going to function very well until that happens, but like, it's tell likely. us that. Like that, That's the thing with Star Citizen. It's, and I keep talking about this a lot because I feel like people who don't do software development forget about this. It's a huge project. They are building things that are massive. They are building things that are relatively new. They're building very advanced things. They're building this across a huge company with a lot of teams and a lot of priorities. And it is difficult to plan this. It is nearly impossible. So you will get to a state, which I think we're in now, where server meshing is blocking you know, multiple major things. Because they were just like, oh yeah, server meshing is going to be a thing. We can't decouple this because your service or your feature is going to depend on server meshing somehow to either pull information or affect the server somehow. You have to wait. Like, there is no way to do anything. So now you have, I think CG probably have like two, three major things just sitting somewhere now. It's done or nearly done. It just needs to, you know, get server meshing in. And just start testing and do you know final implementation on it. How long that's gonna take, we don't know. Unfortunately, it's it's just how it is. Uh, but in the meantime, you know they have quantum, which is this big fancy simulation for the economy. And they have shown us that they have monitoring tools and they have like all sorts of visualizations for what's happening in there. I say if. You know, either give us like a report on Spectrum, like have, you know, someone like take a look at some statistics from there and be like, oh, yeah, we saw, you know, this much of whatever happened. And like we see a lot of quanta moving in this direction, do, doing this kind of thing. You know, this is very basic that they could give us. They still retain quite a lot of censorship on this, which is what CIG like to do. They like to censor the information they give out. Uh, what I think would be the ideal solution is that they give us some kind of a dashboard that's going to show us like what is happening in real time, for example, because they have the ability to do this. So, you know, maybe if like the quantum team is not working on anything right now, that's, you know, if they're working on something that's blocked by server meshing, then, you know, why not like put one or two developers on like building a dashboard for this? 
that you can put out to the players and you still retain the level level of censorship you're just gonna give the information out in real time and don't have to worry about it ever again which would be the ideal solution but again when you start suggesting side projects like this people get angry because they're like oh yeah you know how about you finish the persistent universe first yeah they're not gonna they're gonna do squadron for you first get it in your heads people they're gonna do squadron first it's like the PU is not happening like this. Quadrant? My favorite, my favorite criticism that I see quite often in comments is um, they keep building features instead of finishing the game. And I'm like, what, what do you think finishing the game is? <laughs> what else brother, are they supposed to do? My brother in Christ, that's, you just said the paradox. And I think it broke your brain. <laughs> it it does, does never makes sense to me. I'm like, they're, they're talking about salvage. Like, do you not? You want the game to be finished, but what do you not want it to have an economy or base building or crafting or engineering or bounty hunt? Like they're building the things we're supposed to do yeah. in the game. And like, you know, I, I do understand the drive to get Squadron out because the moment they, because we know that Squadron is going to come out in, in parts in episodes or, or acts or whatever they call it. Mm -hmm. The moment they deliver the first one, they can come like, yep, we got it done. Like, it is playable. We have a single-player story. And then they... Nobody's going to give a shit how long it takes to put out the next part. Like, no one's going to care. <laughs> At this point, they're going to be like, yep, they did All it. All right, on to the PU. Yeah. And, and no one's going to say a thing. They're gonna, Chris Roberts is going to do his thing. At CitizenCon, be like, yep, Quadrant is good to go. And, you know, I, I, I kind of expected some kind of an announcement on this at the CitizenCon. Where they're going to be like, yep, we are, like, going to be putting out Squadron 42 in the next few months. And like, oh, it's God. gonna be playable. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I I, th I feel like they're like getting there to where they could like mm. put like the first part out there because they they keep saying like how much progress they were making on it and how because when you look at the progress tracker, they're mostly working on the other parts right now and like other features. So I feel like they could probably put out the first part. Like I don't trust the progress tracker, man. Like I, I don't either. <laughs> but it's like. If they put out an hour of gameplay for Squadron, it's going to justify well, a lot of things. Just like an updated vertical slice would be nice, but exactly. to be honest, we haven't seen much of the game systems that would change the vertical slice from what we saw before anyways, like scanning. Yeah, they, exactly. They talked about how they wanted to have a scanning segment in there and stuff. We haven't seen how that's going to... They haven't expanded so, that much on it. Yeah, so, you know, even if it's not, like, playable, even if they give us, like, an hour vertical slice of Squadron, it's going to justify a lot of things that are going on in the PU and a lot of effort being taken away from the PU, which is important at this point. They do, I, I don't like the expression that they need to like explain themselves, but CAG do need to like explain themselves and, and you know, justify their resource allocations right now because a lot of backers don't understand. Because you, you kind of have this split in the community where a lot of people backed only Squadron, a lot of people backed both, a lot of people only backed the PU. And at this point, all of these people are feeling robbed. They're like, oh, well, apparently you're putting all the effort to Squadron. Yeah. Where's Squadron? And if you're yeah. putting all the effort to Squadron, where's all the PU stuff? So, well, yeah, that's, that's definitely a, a problem. That's, a, that's another podcast. In fact, we'll probably be talking about that a little later today on Citizen Central. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but getting back to the economy... Are you worried about the quantum simulation? I think, like, if we go through a whole summary of it, virtual AI, probability volumes, um, the 
proficiencies and interests of AI that are doing all these things, like just the way that the simulation is supposed to work with the econ economic nodes. Are you worried about it not working out with this game? Uh, so here's the thing. The way the quantum system is designed, it makes for a beautiful research paper. Like, it is beautiful. When you think about it, when you look at the information we have, it is a great idea on how to do this. Building it is the problem. Because they are using sort of an interesting way to do these things. And, and it's difficult to compare with other games because other games don't really give you uh, this kind of information. I would draw a comparison with EVE, where you have fully player-driven economy, and it kind of works out for them, as far as I know. Like, it kind of works out. I don't think there's like any AI-driven economy in there at all. Uh, but correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. Then you have RuneScape, which weird comparison to make, I know. Uh, for those of you who don't play RuneScape, uh, look it up. It's pretty interesting. And it's been around forever. Like, that game survives anything. They also have a fully player-driven economy, like fully, fully player-driven economy. And their economy is completely, completely nuts. Like, they lost control of it many, many years ago, and they're just like, fuck it. Let's, you know, let it do what it wants. We don't care. And you end up with very interesting costs on things. Like, if you look at an item sold by an AI vendor, and then you look at that item in the player market, you will have a very different price for that item. Uh, but back to Star Citizen. How is Quantum going to work out for Star Citizen? CAG are banking on this. Yes, we want a player-driven economy, but we're doing anything we can to make it impossible for players to affect it in a meaningful way. Yeah, Because they did say, you know, ratio of players to Quantum is going to be 1 to 10. Which tells me that uh, the quanta are going to be doing everything they can to balance out any changes players try to do. And this is a good thing, on one hand, because it makes it impossible for players to like go in and be like, oh, we're going to bankrupt this star system. Because it's not going to be possible. Like It's going to... Number one, there's going to be quanta on the other side of the trading spectrum trying to balance out what you're doing, because... Inevitably, if you buy out everything from a system, demand's going to increase and someone's going to deliver it from out of system. At the same time, if you're doing that much volume of trade where you are capable of actually bankrupting a system and making a meaningful impact on the simulation, number one, probability volumes of like trade are going to increase. So pirates are going to appear. NPC pirates, not a big deal. Like They, they are not... I don't think there will ever be a whole lot of a big deal. I think it's going to be more of a NPC pirates versus NPC traders type situation happening in quantum fully. But, you know, let's say, you know, virtual AI starts appearing because there's probability volumes and you start getting attacked by NPCs when you trade. But at the same time, you know, word's going to get out. Like, trading boom in X system. And player pirates are going to be like, well, there's all these people flying cargo out there. like." We gotta get that booty. And player pirates are gonna start showing up. And then security is gonna start showing up. And you know, combat is gonna start happening. And costs of refueling, rearming are gonna go up. And it's and it's eventually one of these sides, or the player side, the AI can do this forever. The AI is not limited by time or resources. The players will eventually say, you know what, never mind. And it's gonna be either 
the traders going like, you know what, uh, we're still like we've been doing this for a month. We're still not bankrupting this place. Like trade AI is is completely outclassing us. The no one's gonna buy from us because our reputation is completely shot to hell because we're selling for exorbitant prices. There are pirates attacking us all over the place. Let's let's like not do this. So I see where Sage are going with this. They're trying to maintain control, which is important because that when you look at this, and this this applies to everything in Star Citizen. Uh, let's compare, you know, the main competitors: Star Citizen, Elite, and Eve. In Star Citizen, what do you mean? I thought Starfield other... was the. Uh... Oh yeah, Starfield. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Starfield, this Starfield thing, I cannot. Like, if, if I see one more thumbnail, I'll be like the Star Citizen killer. It's like. Oh, I am putting out a video pretty soon that's going to touch on that, but it, it'll it's... be it's going to be a different take. Don't worry. It's like, but it's like it hasn't even come out. And it's not even an MMO, like... Yeah. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, you know, when it comes out and it's, like, actually that good, I will reevaluate my position, but we all know not. Whatever. But, yeah, so you compare these three and you start noticing one very major difference, which is that Star Citizen is a very curated experience. What, do I, what I mean by that is that everything in Star Citizen is designed for a purpose to fit where it is so you have you know bespoke planets bespoke landing zones bespoke stations you have very bespoke ships and and i think this very curated experience is going to extend to gameplay loops is going to extend to the economy is going to extend to how quantum interacts with the verse and i think this sort of CIG maintaining control through quantum over the stars and economy is sort of the expected experience for them. They want the players to have some impact. Like you want to see like, oh yeah, I bought everything and now they don't sell it or the price is, is bad for everybody else so that there can be competition on, on the trading scheme or the trading sphere and like manufacturing that kind of stuff. Like, oh yeah, I have a full cargo hold of titanium ore, but Right now, someone delivered titanium from a different system where it was cheap, so no one's going to buy it from me here. So now I have to like either fly my titanium somewhere else or I have to figure out something else to do with it. Yeah, you should be able to exploit the market, even when they're still having so much yeah. control over it. Yeah, but at the same time, they don't want people to make it absolutely inaccessible to other people. And I think CAG will kind of go with the dynamic event route for doing impactful changes to the economy and it's not even going to be like dynamic events as we know them right now it's going to be i think eventually CAG is going to introduce local state of the economy yeah which agreed. is going to be like blockades not even actually blockades it's going to be like oh right now this system is in recession so like not much is going to be getting made. Supplies are going to be low. You know, prices are going to be low. No one's going to be like, mission payouts are going to be low. And you can interact with this. Like, it's going to last for some time. Or you can maybe try to break out of it by, you know, delivering some goods and trying to, like, start the economy. And I think this is going to be the... This is going to be one of the end game gameplay loops. So you're going to come to a system and you're going to be like, oh, yeah, these guys have a... Oh, yeah, these guys just had, like, a incursion like a pirate incursion or they had like a rebellion or something so like infrastructure is destroyed there is you know no fuel there's no food 
there's no material. So like, you know what? I'm going to like fly to the system next door. I'm going to deliver like food, medical supplies, tools. And that's going to like speed up the recovery process after that, like combat phase. Yeah, we need and it's that. Gonna, like, and it's going to like raise your reputation with the system. More important, like, oh yeah, like the system government's going to be like, oh yeah, this person is like bringing us stuff we need. And you know what? Like, well, we're going to like make sure they get like good prices. You know what, us rebuild it and you know what I need though, when that does happen is for it to not be a Xeno threat situation where they just let everyone know this is happening, put a counter on top of the screen, like gamify it. We need that yeah. to be, you can go on the map, right? Let's say you open the map of the verse, the galaxy map, and you're looking at economic situations in each system obviously going off of whatever the latest data from that system due to data runners is, and yeah. you make the call rather than yeah. clicking on a system because they have some kind of mission prompt that that system needs help. Like it, like you said, everything's built to be in a place, but I don't think this game's going to be very fun if they tell everyone yeah. what those places are. And I think that's where they need to realize the split between dynamic events. Because when you think about a dynamic event, it is... Yeah, the way I understand it is, you know, first dynamic event was Xenofit. And they kind of set the bar with that, where it's like a essentially a world-shattering event, where it's like this unthinkable thing has happened, like a terrorist organization is invading a UEE system with like this overwhelming force, and they're like head on with the UEE Navy. Which is like you know, it's an equivalent of a modern day war is happening. And yeah, it, it just happens every couple of weeks, though. Yeah, it happens every couple of weeks, right? <laughs> so so it's... And, like, they, they eventually realized this, and they, like, toned it down with, like, the blockades. Well, like, you know, yeah, blockades happen. Like, you know, pirates want to blockade a station for a reason. Like, yeah, it, it will happen. So, like, that feels reasonable. So that's, you know, your dynamic events, and they need to, like, create this split into a dynamic state of a certain area. And this doesn't have to be, like, a whole... This doesn't have to happen on like the level of a region of some you know multiple star systems. This just has to happen on either one star system or maybe even like a planet. You know, let's say you have you know lots of pirate activity on Daymar, for example. Well, then like outposts on there, like they're gonna get less business. People are not gonna be flying there as much to do missions. You know, I'm not even talking about trading. It's like literally people doing deliveries. Yeah, and it's gonna be less people coming in. They're not gonna have the supplies they need. They're not gonna have like interaction so these outputs are gonna like start falling you know behind and like buildings are gonna get abandoned and you know there's gonna be less volume of goods available but they're gonna be maybe for a good price because like sure nobody can get here but like we have this in stock so like we're gonna sell it for a low price and we're gonna pay a high price for like supplies so this is again the interaction i think this again comes back to like the development of outposts which i i don't think it has like ever been mentioned that it would happen is like where say you have an outpost and a lot of people are coming there to do missions like oh yeah we're gonna like add another landing pad to this place and, yeah, and this happening dynamically i don't think this don't was know. ever mentioned mm. and it feels like a very obvious thing to do and they could probably even do it now i think i think they're like able to bring in assets dynamically so i think they could just like oh like yeah we're gonna bring in another landing pad because there is like X number of people coming through this location in the last hour. And and it, it could be something like this, or it could just be like not even the landing, it could just be like one of those random prop structures, like, oh, let's add like another 
field of solar panels or like another tank or another storage. It's like, it looks a little bit different. Like it gives you a different look on the location, but it doesn't affect the players too much. I think this would be a very good step one on this. Yeah. I mean, there's just from this talk, you know, just realizing how many different pockets and little divots of information there are when it comes to this simulation. This is not just about the buy sell prices. This is about like the economic nodes, how they grow, how ideas shift security. Like there's so many things that go into this simulation, which is why, you know, I wanted to kind of finish up everything here with this talk about if you believe in it. I, I think one of the most difficult parts of, of for me to wrap my head around with this game is seeing a simulation like this actually play out and, and work correctly. I think we all know that Star Citizen is a faith-based project. Like you have to believe in it. Like, I mean, come on, man. Both of us have been around for years, and like, not only we're like playing this game, we're like actively making content about it. So like, th there has to be like a certain degree of faith because this is not a business decision. Yeah. Like, let's let's be honest. Uh, this is not a business decision to be a content creator. You do this because you love the project and you want to support it. Uh, like, come on, I have a, I have a full-time job with this. Like, this is my full-time job, and it does not pay the bills. <laughs> there you fucking go. <laughs> okay. I could, I, the other day, I did a video for Starfield and, like, saw the, the difference in scale of interest in Starfield versus interest in Star Citizen. And I'm like, I mean, if, if, if I wanted to make this work faster, I'd just switch to that. Cause... And, and that's the thing, you know. You could, you know, I feel like if you did like Starfield, for example, right now, you would get a lot of interest over the next, you know, six months. And then, you know, long term, when you look at it over like year, two, three years, it would just like die down. Because like, yes, Starfield is going to be the next Skyrim. They're going to re-release it every two years. But, you know, the interest is not going to keep up. Well, On the other hand, Star Citizen, the interest can only go up at this point. We said it at the beginning of this show, man. I, I cover this game because we get to watch the development. Like, exactly. I love the idea of Star Citizen, but well, if it wasn't this open development project, I probably would just have it. It'd just be something I, I was watching. Yeah. The same yeah. with Starfield or Elder Scrolls or, yeah. or Outer Worlds. Like, part of the joy of this game is like you get to see a feature that you are excited for watch it from concept to completion, and then you also get to put in feedback on it to watch it change. Yeah. And that's, that's like one of the big things of Star Citizen. And even as a content creator, this is, uh, you know, you get to see the project grow, you kind of get to share your opinion, you get to, you know, be kind of the voice of the community at some point. I, I'm not claiming I'm the voice of the community. Nobody agrees with me. <laughs> People just watch my videos to tell me I'm wrong. Uh, but anyway, so... But, you know, as a content creator, Star Citizen, the community will only grow. The interest will only go up as more things come in, when Squadron starts coming in, when we have multiple star systems, that kind of stuff. Uh, but as far as, you know, the economy and the simulation, I believe in it. Like, their concept that they put together is, is very solid. They seem to be very grounded in it, even though it doesn't seem that way, but it's... You know, stuff that's very easily, you know, decomposable to smaller chunks that can be implemented. So I do actually believe they can do it. I believe they can even do the thing that Tony Z said, where every patch is going to get something out of it. 
it is likely that this every patch gets something is blocked by server meshing. It's possible. Or maybe they're just like putting things in on the background. Like, you know, maybe right now they're focusing on, you know, getting their internal tools for this, where they have this, you know, quantum simulation going on and they improve this because this is going to be a massive, massive thing. There's going to be millions of AI doing millions of things. So this needs to be very, very optimal, and that's difficult. You also need to figure out how to control it. You need to figure out how to monitor it. You need to figure out how to display this all information. And they have a tool for this. They did demonstrate that they have tool monitors to control this to edit things about Odin. Quantum. Odin, yeah. And they, I think they need to like do a lot of development on this. Because every time you add a feature to Quantum, you have to make sure this feature propagates to the API that communicates with the verse. It pro, you know, promotes to Odin. It, you have to make sure nothing breaks. So I actually fully believe they might have like a full quantum simulation going on somewhere that's completely separate from the PU. It does get inputs from the PU, and they're just like watching to see what happens and what it goes like as a reaction to it. And, and based on that, they might be adjusting a lot of things on it. But yeah, ultimately, I believe they will eventually get it done. Timeline is uncertain, as everything in Star Citizen. Uh, but, you know, I am excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to cover it. I'm excited to dig into it. I can yeah. only hope that what you're saying is true. We have seen them talk about quantum in the monthly reports. We know that the systemic services and tools team, they're doing work for server meshing. They're doing work for the different services in the background that have to do with PES. But we know also they're working on quantum. And... We know that they were working on it last year. Um, we know that there has been some talk in monthly reports. I think we should be expecting an update at CitizenCon. It, it's that's really, reasonable. Yeah. It's, it's really just a matter of like, what the heck is going on? And I'll say it again. I keep saying it, but I've never been crazy about uh how much they need to tell us like with the open development i felt like they've done they've done okay they've they've messed up in some areas but they've done okay this is one place where i am getting legitimately annoyed that we just don't get anything on it nothing like we've even found out about the maelstrom physical damage system right and <laughs> we can't hear about quantum so i hope you know, we hear more about it this year the thing there i think is you know maybe there, there are two possibilities. Number one, they're kind of saving it for a bigger announcement like CitizenCon. Or they are sort of they're making changes, they're making progress, but it's like because they're doing so many things, like you said, you know, they're they're supporting, you know, uh, server meshing and other core services, that maybe this incremental progress is like not significant enough to talk about right now. Like, yeah, maybe like they implement things and they add new tools and they add new capabilities, but like maybe it's not enough for them to like mention it because what you, you have to like look at the other side of the coin right where they mention something about quantum it will immediately trigger a lot of people be like oh so little progress because like let's say that they do like oh quanta can now do some small thing that they couldn't do before and people are gonna be like oh why such a small feature it's been months i don't care tell me i mean you don't <laughs> care you, you're a reasonable person <laughs> 
we have to we're the ones that answer for like when we when we come out and cover their coverage of quantum we're the ones who are telling people yeah they also said they're going to give us updates by the end of the year and then the end of the year goes by and nothing happens so we're the ones who are just sitting here going well i see i don't know it's cig like i'm i'm, I'm over that <laughs> you know I, why don't why people look at me I just, i'm just reporting the news right yeah i it's it's frustrating to try and say the things that they say and then get held accountable for it when they don't i mean they do but they don't that they're, they're not talking to people you know like they're not the people who are sitting in game answering questions about why you said something and then something didn't happen and you as much as i love outsource that to us yeah well it, it's, like, it's like transfer of responsibility amazing like yeah. well done cag as always and i'm not i i'm complaining about this more as a interested player even than a content creator i just want to know what like what's going on with the economy that's at this point, besides the galaxy map, I would say that's the thing that like affects everybody the most consistently. Yeah. It, you know, ultimately, I think it is waiting for server meshing. Yeah. The reason they're not putting out that much information is, I think, also server meshing because they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we're making progress. Like, they, because maybe they're like making really good progress on it, but they're just going to be like, yeah, we did these amazing things with with the quantum, but we can't use them because server meshing is delayed. Yeah, I think that 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 could be the case, and it'd be great to hear that because at this point, it really does feel like they are building up the load of content behind the 4.0 dam. I mean, yeah. considering all the big systems we've seen in the last couple of years that yeah. are clearly not coming this year, 4.0 is looking like it's going to be way bigger than 3.0 was. Yeah, that that's the thing that I worry about is that they're kind of putting a lot of things on that 4.0 shelf. And this is going to be problematic because Just reasonably, like was. Yeah, reasonably speaking, it's not a good idea to push all of it at once. You would be better off sort of spacing it out to the patches following 4.0. I think which, they'll do some of that. I think they will do it. Uh, they will probably do like a very big 4.0 release at some point and it will be problematic. It will not work. It will have a lot of fixing we probably are not going to get like regular patches after it for a while because they're just going to be trying to get it running and then we're going to start seeing these big things being rolled out or you know maybe CIG is going to come up with something else to manage this because they did and it's not really something they could have prevented because they can't just stop working because server meshing is delayed you can't you have a thousand people working for you you can't just tell them to go home they have to like do something it's just that you will have to be very, very careful when you start releasing this stuff. And, you know, make sure you test it before it goes out, which CAG never do. And, you know, make sure it goes through Evocati, it goes through PTU, which CAG never leave up for long enough to discover issues. And it's just, it's going to be this whole thing. I am very excited to see it. I, I am very, I, I know it sounds very pessimistic every time I talk about the release process, but I am very excited for this to happen because it's going to, you know how we had like after what was it like three three five three six where we had like this a year of of getting like major things done every patch after they did like stabilize everything from from three point had multiple planets got the flight model to where it is right now and this the, these were like the big blockers at the time mm -hmm. and then we had like a year like four or five patches of like big things coming in every patch. And like lots of new content, lots of new ships. 
new gameplay, new locations were coming in like every patch at that point because we had a plan at every patch pretty much. And I think we're going to have a similar situation after 4.0 where it's going to be very quickly lots of things coming online. And that's going to be a very good time for everyone. It's just that we have to get over this bump until 4.0 where they can't do much of like core features right now. Yeah. Because it might break with server meshing. Yeah. I mean, we, see, we, we heard it when they were talking about hole munching just now. They had to completely change how hole munching works because pre-PES game is not the same as post-PES game yeah. for the things that they're trying to do. Same will probably be with server meshing. So they're probably trying to avoid building things out that will have to be redone, which I appreciate. Um, yeah, it shows that they're trying to you know, think forward which they didn't do a couple of years back where they were just like building for things. quite a few years. <laughs> quite a few years, yeah. It's like, because they were just like building things and putting them in and they didn't really care about like, oh, we're going to have to like maintain this for years. And now they're having to come back on all these systems and refactor them UGFs, in a better way. Outposts. Yeah, yeah. cities. So, yeah, a lot exactly. of it. Yeah. Um, so, and this is okay. But now they're building new things with this in mind. Yeah. And I think that's going to... Right now it costs... A little more time but over the years it's going to free up time that would have to be spent on this which i think is ultimately more valuable yeah. technical debt is a real problem in all of software development not gonna lie it's, it's terrible we hate it very often we can't do much about it because we have to build more stuff but cag seem to be more conscious of it now which is good yeah all right we're running pretty long here so i want to finish this up on one last question uh and it is kind of also related to really the overall simulation and will it work but i think it's the most unique and uh thing i guess that's the most unique thing that i'm unsure about in the simulation and that is virtual ai have been stated for anybody who doesn't know virtual ai are basically a form of ai that always remembers who it is so their likes their dislikes where they go where they live who's kind to them, who attacks them, all that kind of stuff. This is a persistent AI that jumps in and out of the game and is kind of simulated moving around doing things. One of the possibilities of these AI is that over time, let's say that you have this AI that constantly commits bounties, has player bounty hunters go after them, knocks them out, stays free, uh, builds up this, this, this sort of this price on their head, and then they become a mission giver. They become a character that other players who are pirates can come to and talk to and actually get tasks from. They've said this will be a thing. Do you believe it? I think it's a little bit ambitious. On, at least on like the top level where suddenly this AI turns into a mission giver. Right. Because you have to consider the volume of player activity where you're going to end up with a lot of mission givers. And I think it's going to go against the curated experience of Star Citizen, where, oh yeah, you're going to have like, a, like 50 mission givers all over the place that are going to give you the same kind of missions. Like it's going to be some pirate, and you're going to be like, oh yeah, go steal this thing from well, this place. Well, I, I want to, I think they've given mission givers too much of a name, right? Like I've, I've been trying to play Cyberpunk 2077 lately, and I've been doing some of these sort of side missions that they, oh, yeah. they'll, they'll the, call side missions and you'll yeah. basically walk up to somebody and they'll be like hey um 
so-and-so that I know is getting held in this gang building. We need somebody to go in there and, and get them out. And like you get into the building and sometimes it's laid out differently. Sometimes there's a slightly different um, story. You get some different lore with it. And I'm like, these are, these are okay as side missions. Yeah. So, but, so they might go that way. I, I think the big, like they might go that way. It's, it's a good sort of a dynamic way to do this. The big problem is sort of that transition point between where it's a virtual AI that kind of drops in and out to where it transitions to being a mission giver that's around permanently. All for the time, reason. yeah. And, and this can present itself in multiple ways, I think. They might just like disappear physically from the verse and just be like a contact in your mobby glass. Yeah, or that's they, what I was thinking. Yeah, or they, which seems kind of like doesn't serve them quite justice because like oh it's this like big bad pirate that's like has killed multiple player bounty hunters and has like this pirate empire going on and like oh yeah suddenly they're gone only in your dms though yeah only (laughs) in your dms now so it's it's like as far as you know virtual ai and like their story and difficulty developing amazing I i think they can do this this is not too difficult to do the transition to a mission giver i Number one, the curated experience of Star Citizen is, is concerned on there, where you're going to have like, you know, pirates, warlords, one through 1,000, just all over the place. Mm-hmm. Or even opposite side is going to be like trading guild or something like that, or like a mining consortium, whatever. Uh, so that's on one hand. On the other hand, you know, how do you handle that? As, as a mission giver then, like, do, do you give them a location where they are going to be? You know, it, it, it's a whole thing where you kind of start getting into very questionable situations. And then here's the other thing. Is there a way to go back? Like, say you have this, you know, pirate lord mission giver and, you know, they're in some star system somewhere and then people, like, leave that star system for some reason. Like, so let's say there is a dynamic event somewhere else or maybe, you know, Oh, there's a pirate lord, so I'm not gonna go trade there anymore because lots of players are like helping them out. Suddenly, there's like no motivation for this faction to exist. So, what does ha- what happens? Do they disappear? Do they become a virtual AI, or do they just go like, do they retire? Like, it's just gonna be some dude in a homestead somewhere. Like, oh yes, in the, in the olden days when I was a pirate, yes, I took an arrow in the knee. Except it wasn't an arrow; it was a rocket launcher round. Ouch. So, yeah, so I, I feel like they, as an idea, amazing, like cool, very nice, like sounds very, very nice, very cool, very interesting. Implementation-wise, I, I don't think it's it. Yeah, how much, how many of the details were actually designed out implementation-wise? Because this is again, this is like you said that with the quantum economy, you you said that on video that that's going to happen. Is that? possible though and if it's not if they end up running into this whole thing and they get to the point where they're like okay virtual ai they can't do this how much more of the quantum economy can you not do you know yeah. so I think and we don't know because they're not telling us so about virtual ai progress. is very possible to do it's the mission giver part of it that's yeah that's that's what i mean they get to that point and they realize okay these guys are not going to be able to 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 live up to this idea um we need to go back to the drawing board and they, then i could, question everything uh, else they could on sort of go around this in a very weird way. And that is like, let's say you have a virtual AI that 
reaches this, this threshold where it could become a mission giver. And it's going to be sort of a conscious process by CAG. They're going to get alerted like, hey, there's this virtual AI could be a mission giver. Like it has met the parameters. So you're going to be like, okay, you become a mission giver. And they're going to like select some archetype of a mission giver for that AI. And they're going to, you know, bring it in, whether it's going to be like in the mobile glass or it's going to be at a location, because they're going to be, you know, dynamic locations. Maybe they could just do like, you know, dynamic location mission giver. So it's just going to be like, oh, this particular outpost right now has like, right now this pirate band is based out there right now. Mm -hmm. So you can fly there. If you have enough reputation with them, they will not shoot you. And you can fly in there, land, get the mission, get out. And they could do it this way. Uh, and then, you know, when this mission giver becomes not relevant, like people are not doing missions anymore with them, they can just scrap it, put it back in the pile. And, and do it this way. Could work, can be done. Yeah. There are probably possibilities to it. I, of course, am just uh, constantly complaining about not knowing what they are. <laughs> I hope that we hear more by the end of the year. But that's... Fingers crossed for CitizenCon. Yeah, that, that kind of wraps up uh, my take on all this. Was there anything that we missed? You wanted to talk about any mission stuff before we... I think we touched on all of it. Uh, I mean, there's kind of a whole tangent on how are, you know, mining missions, salvage missions, and hauling missions going to affect the economy. But I feel like that's more of a, another podcast thing because that's, there's going to be a lot of things there. Plus, we don't know how a lot of things are going to look. Because we don't have mining missions, we don't have hauling missions. Yeah, they're they're not coming in that anytime soon. I think so. Yeah, circle back on it in three months. <laughs> well, yeah. So we have them on the progress tracker now, which is great. And I think what you said earlier, the best part about these missions, the main thing about these missions, should just be that they're introductory packaged versions of the yeah. sandbox gameplay that hopefully players will eventually upgrade to. And seeing that for cargo, data heists, for yeah. mining, salvage um package retrieval escort yeah. missions like a lot of different types of gameplay are getting these missions that'll help players understand how to better play the game so i'm happy yeah, about, the about it they have outlook. to build the missions out before they build kind of the sandbox gameplay for it right or the yeah. lore or the narrative yeah. or any of that stuff yeah. so like i was talking about these cyberpunk side missions like i was looking at these retrieve consignment missions man and as simple as they are go into a bunker kill a person, get a data pad, figure out what's on that data pad that you need to steal, steal it and take it back. There are so many, like I could think of five different scenarios for each one of those steps that makes a mission like that different. Yeah. And then you put that in on Hurston, you put it in Crusader, you put yeah. it on Grimhex, it's always gonna have a different background. Like a mission yeah. just like that could be expanded out to so much content. And CAG finally realized this, that they can, because they built a very robust mission system to where it can take different paths, and generate a very different mission every time, they finally realize that they have the system and they're starting to use it correctly. And it took them a while, but they're getting it. It did. It took them a long time to finally get a, a team behind this, but the missions features team has been killing it. And the fact that now they're building them in modules so that like you could take retrieve consignment, you could take that, go to the bunker and find a data pad, but then you find that data pad and they can trigger an investigation module that sends you yeah. to a nearby cave to continue and it's like there's so much expandability with these missions i'm not worried at all this additional complexity i think it's gonna satisfy a lot of people like i am looking forward to it because this is gonna sort of take out the repetition out of a lot of things that are happening which is yeah. good we need that right now
Yeah. Um, let's see. Okay, now that we're on missions, I'll, I'll finish off with this. Right. Um, <laughs> we've talked about different systems, different areas, and how the quantum economy and the simulation would factor for that stuff. But mission availability and what missions you take are going to be super dependent on like how dangerous or risky the area is, right? Like missions in Stanton would be completely different from missions in Pyro, I, I would hope. What do you think? I, I think so too. I mean, I, I think it's not only going to affect the overall danger rating, but it's also going to affect the mission selection available. So, you know, when you look at Pyro, you're probably not going to have hauling missions. Not, not a lot of them, because there's not going to be a whole lot of cargo being hauled out. Well, you apparently know? there's a trade route through there. Apparently. Uh, but, you know, that's, I think that's more of a to facilitate piracy better than anything else. And then also, you might have a lot of combat missions, but you will not maybe have sort of lawful combat going on that right. much. It's mostly going to be like rival pirate bands trying to take out people between themselves. Uh, so, yeah, definitely, you know, location, sort of the current state, is, is going to affect not only the payout, the risk, it's going to affect the selection. You might have investigation missions in Pyro, where it's going to be like, oh, yeah, we sent this ship out there. Uh, hasn't come back, hasn't checked in. This is the last known position. Go check it out. Uh, you and, know, that's bring what, back. Yeah. So. and that's what spurs the economy in Pyro. Yeah. You start getting salvage wrecks out there. That brings out the vultures. The vultures bring out the starfarers. The starfarers need escorts. The escorts yeah. need more, more, more pew pew to do. So they get yeah. pirate missions and suddenly people want to be in Pyro for some reason. Yeah. So it works out. Like It works out on paper. The problem is like how it works out in game, yeah. and that's always the big question. How we'll will the economy simulation work? That's kind of, I think that's the title of this episode. Because, <laughs> oh, we need to know. I really hope we hear it, Citizen Con man. That's like my number one wish for Citizen Con, besides yeah. a Squadron Forty Two release date, which Squadron I will 42 economy write down in the sand. Yeah. I, like I wonder if they're gonna give us a release date. I think they're gonna be like. Yeah, it's close. Maybe like a release 20. window, I think. Release window would be like, good. Yeah, give us like a six month window so we know that you're not actually going to miss it. If they gave us a date, I'd be like, nah. nah. <laughs> if CAG gives you a date, you're like immediately like, no, don't believe yeah. it. I think either like a release window, like give us a six months of a release window, mm -hmm. or say like, this is going to be the scope for the first release. This is what we commit. Like part one, part two is going to be the first release. If they give us a window with that, good. Well, I mean, not. what they call Squadron 42 right now is just episode one. And then they have two other games that they're going to make, right? Like the first 20 something chapters is all episode one. Yeah, I, I don't know anymore. <laughs> it's like that thing I'm is like sure hard to is. track and start. I think, I think you're right. I think it's like this. Uh, but like, do, do we really want them to be making two other games? Over the course of uh, 10 years, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't want them to focus on it, but I, I think as many, as long as they can make Squadron 42, we'll have an easier time playing Star Citizen without yeah. crazy monetization schemes in there. And we know there will be some interesting monetization choices, but Squadron 42 is a bit uh, of a relief, I think. The Arlington gang mission contest sale thing. What was that? <laughs> so you know how they have the contest where you have to put it in a screenshot with like the Arlington Gan Idris, Idris fight. Yeah, yeah. There is a sale attached to it. 
Really? Yes. If you scroll all the way down to the to the community hub page, there is there is a sale. I don't scroll. I stay away from those things. Good. <laughs> good for well, your mental health. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with this with Quantum. Um, obviously, the big lead up is to CitizenCon and 4.0. After that, folks, I don't know where we go, but we'll be right here on the podcast as always every week, covering your space game news. Uh, Coder, before we head out and peace out for today, can you tell folks where they can find that lovely economy video that you said will be up by the time this airs, and also the rest of your content? Uh, of course. So you'll find me on YouTube as the Space Coder. So if you go YouTube slash C slash at the Space Coder, you will find me. Uh, I try to do videos every week when real life permits. I do a lot of economy and generally game design stuff because I'm, a, as the name suggests, I'm a software developer. Uh, and yeah, also if you want to know how to game the system a little bit and where to find your gear, go to armory.thespacecoder.space, which is the app that I made, which tells you where to find either buying or by looting uh, fps weapons and armor yeah all right man well thank you for joining me this time uh folks if you're watching this on youtube remember we've got an ad free podcast that goes on all audio platforms amazon google apple spotify wherever it is that you watch these or listen to them um and if you are a supporter patreon twitch youtube wherever it might be you can always join us here live on discord to ask some questions check out our pre or post show chat if there is any and just all around be a cool person. We got we got a lot of cool people here, so come check it out. And that about wraps us up. Thanks again for joining me, Coder. Absolutely. Anytime. Cool. I'll see you all next week. Have a good one. Bye.